today, I believe, is a continuation of what God has been saying to our church. And so to stay in the game, and there's nothing worse than someone who gets called up to be in the game, and they run onto the pitch, say, like football, and suddenly they run onto the pitch, and then sexually they're running away. Imagine the coach and the team and all the players are like, where are you going? You've just been picked. You've just been called up to play into the game. And, and now you've got on, you've got your boots, you've checked them to the ref and everybody, they've held your name up and everyone's celebrating. You're on the pitch and then you decide to run away. And the coach is like, where are you going? The players are like, what are you doing? And all the fans are going like, you're nuts. Well, I believe that's a picture sometimes of churches and Christianity. Maybe you're like that. Maybe you've got into the game and now you've decided to talk yourself out and Go in a different direction. Well, I believe here today, God's saying, hey, get in the game, stay in the game. I've got you in the game. I put you in the game, so stay in the game. Can anybody say amen? amen. Stay in the game, my friend. Stay in the game. Because God put you in it. And there's been people trying to take you out of it. But I really sense that God has got so much more for you. And I believe you're going to see it and you're going to enjoy it because you simply made a decision to stay in the game. Amen. And I believe that some of the things you've had to check, the challenges you've overcome, the situations you've faced, it was all designed to take you out. But somehow by God's grace, you're here today. And I believe God's saying, stay in the game, stay in the game because he's got so much more for you. Amen. Miraculous things, impossible things. And I believe what's on your life is not just natural, it's supernatural. So let's talk about unity and the impact it has. In Psalm 133, it says, How wonderful and pleasant when God's people dwell together in unity. For unity is as precious as the fragrant oil that was poured over Aaron's head, running down his beard onto the edges of his priestly robe. Unity is as refreshing as the dew on Mount Hermon, on the mountains of Israel, and God has commanded blessing and eternal life forevermore. There's no doubt that when God sees unity, He commands a blessing. And I believe that for us, we've got to make a, a commitment, I guess, a decision that we're going to go for unity. Why? Because God commands a blessing. And when God commands a blessing, no one or nothing can stop it. Nothing can get in the way because unity is powerful. But it's not so much just the unity that's powerful, it's God's commanded blessing. When God puts his hand on something, I'm telling you, if the hand of God is upon you, everyone else might think you're a bit crazy, a bit kind of weird. But I'm telling you, God does pick crazy people. He does pick weird people. If you don't believe me, look at the person next to you. Look at the person around you, in front of you. Amen. If God puts his hand on you. I'm telling you now, there's something that keeps you. There's something that holds you. If you can walk away. See, Joyce and I, even though sometimes it's been tough, we've wanted to walk away, but you can't walk away when the hand of God is on you. You can't walk away when the calling is on you. Calling gets you. See, you can pick a vision up and you can lay a vision down, but a calling gets a hold of you. Calling will always out-trump vision any day. In his toughest moments, Paul wanted to give up, but he, it, 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 the vision had him, the calling had him. And I, I encourage all the younger people that you, that you live your life with a sense of calling. Why? Because as tough as it gets, it's not going to take you out. 
calling makes you different from everyone else. See, if you can get into it and if you can take yourself out, like if you get into the game and you can just walk out of the game, well, maybe you felt like giving up and walking out of the game. But when the call of God is on you, you can't get too far where you're like, oh, I've got to get back in. Maybe you've had a few months where, oh, just, this church is driving me nuts. But a few months out there, you're like, ah. Because you're ruined for anything else. You've tasted goodness. You've tasted kindness. You've tasted heaven. And nothing or no one can satisfy. And that's what I believe God is doing with you. And I believe He's doing it with all of us. But unity commands a blessing when He puts His hand on us. And I believe Hillsong Berlin, the hand of God is upon us. It's not because we're special in anything compared to anyone else. It's just I think we're gutsy enough to believe God. Bold enough to believe God. Crazy enough to believe God. Keep turning up. Keep believing. Keep praying. Well, today I want to talk to you about the impact of unity. And where there's unity in the house, hearts are more open. Hands are quicker to go up. Where there's unity in the house, trusting God is greater. Enthusiasm is stronger. And when there's unity in the house, gaps are closed and people want to serve. When there's unity in the house, needs are met and people want to give. But today I want to talk to you about when there's unity in the house, prayer is powerful and miracles begin to happen. When there's unity in the house, prayers are powerful and miracles begin to happen. Can anyone say amen? When there's unity in the house, prayers are powerful and miracles begin to happen. We're going through the book of Acts at the moment, if you haven't realized it. And I'm believing that this second half of the year, we're going to enjoy acceleration. Things are going to accelerate. Sometimes God's just waiting for a generation to get fired up. And I believe when there's unity with the diversity, God commands a blessing. What does that mean? It just means that everybody's got oil on them. It means everybody's needed. It means everybody's got something to contribute. It means that your prayer is powerful. It means that no one can pray like you. No one can say it like you. It means that your uniqueness is valuable to the diversity of what God is commanding a blessing on. Amen. And so what I love about this is that prayer was always a key part of what God wanted to do. And if you can come with me, Acts chapter 10, you start to see this guy called Peter, one of the apostles who God used at the beginning. And Peter's praying and he's on the roof and he has a vision through his prayers. He, he sees a vision of all these unclean animals and all these different animals and God bring them together and, and he's commanded to eat. Now for a Jewish person, this is crazy because they're very strict on what they eat and what they can't eat. And so he starts to see all these unclean things and he's commanded to eat and he's wrestling with God. No, I can't eat that. I can't touch that. I can't do that. Here's one of God's apostles, beginning of the church, and he's already ruled by rules and regulations and the old instead of the new. And what does God say to him? How dare you call unclean what I have commanded clean? And I think it's crazy for you and I to call ourselves unclean when God has pronounced clean, clean, clean. Clean by the blood of Christ. Clean by the name of Jesus. Clean by the cross. Clean by all that He has accomplished. You're not clean by what you do. You're clean by what He has done. Amen. That's what keeps you in the game. What He has done. What He says. And I believe this is what Peter's wrestling with. So he's praying. 
And God is beginning to shift him. You know, when you start to pray, things begin to change. When you begin to pray for the city, you see the city differently. When you begin to pray for your family, you see your family differently. When you pray for jobs to come, you see the opportunities differently. I don't know about you, but prayer changes the way you see things. So if you can get prayer out of the church, you can keep the church going nowhere. But if you can bring prayer back to the church, what's the church going to start to do? A praying church is a powerful church. A praying church is a seeing church. A praying church is a, is a church going somewhere because God starts to work with them powerful prayers. Can anyone say amen? God started to do something with Peter. And so Peter, though he was a Jew, was about through prayer and encounter with God, he was about to go somewhere he'd never been. He was about to be sent to a man called Cornelius. Cornelius was a Roman officer leading an Italian garrison all the way from Rome, all the way from Italy in Caesarea, in Israel at the time. And the, man, the Bible says that he was praying also, but he didn't know who was praying to. He was a devout man, a praying man. He did good within the community. And God, through an angel, started to speak to Cornelius about meeting a man called Peter. So we got Cornelius praying over here, not sure that his prayers are doing anything, how many people are like that? And then we got a man over here who's praying and God is about to mess up his little Jewish world. <laughs> and so what happened is Peter's beginning to realise that God is bigger than his vision. And some of you in this room, that's what's going to happen this year for you. You're going to realise God's bigger than your vision. He's bigger than your problem. He's bigger than your small group. He's bigger than your dinner party. He's bigger than your cancer. He's bigger than the disease. He's bigger than the offence. God is bigger. He's bigger than anything you could imagine. And so Peter is beginning to realise that God is going to not just work with Jewish people. He's going to work with all sorts of people. Amen. That means Berlin is in for good days. And so he's starting to pray and God's starting to move him towards what God wanted to show him. You know, some of you, you're not going to move to what God wants for you, what God has for you, until you start to pick up a spirit of prayer. Prayer will start to move you. Prayer will start to guide you. Prayer will start to open you up to what God is trying to show you. There are some things you'll never see until you start praying about it. There's some things you can't see until you pray about it in Jesus' name. And so prayer was powerful in Peter's life, but prayer was also a catalyst in this man Cornelius. And if you don't know who Cornelius is, Acts chapter 10 lets you know that he's the first non-Jewish person that comes to faith. Cornelius receives Peter in his home and Peter begins to preach because he perceives God is now working with people outside of his own world, his own circle. So Peter's got out of his comfort zone and he's now going into the uncomfortable, the unknown. I believe for many of you in this room, you're actually going the rest of this year into next year. You're going to be going out of the comfort zone into the uncomfortable. And I tell you, God's with you. He's leading you there. And embrace the comfort, embrace the shift, embrace the change. Because anyone in this room that knows it's going on, because God's in it, God's for you. And He's trying to help you understand. Go into the unknown. Why? Because I'm there already ahead of you. Go into the unknown because I'm already there. I believe when you open your heart up to what he wants, it's amazing how he can get you there so much quicker. And so basically Cornelius and all of his family basically respond to the gospel. And this is where we basically see those outside of the Jewish circle starting to come to faith. And it's a catalyst. It explodes. Acts chapter 11. 
The church gets persecuted. The stoning of Stephen's already happened. Church ends up all over the place and they carry the message of Jesus with them. But Acts chapter 12, and I want to just take you there for the moments we've got left. Acts chapter 12, and I want to read to you again the power of unity and the power of prayer. There's a king and his name is Herod and he's hostile to the church because he sees the church now a threat to his kingdom. See, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Jewish people, they were living in occupied territory. And so Herod was really working on behalf of Rome and Caesar and representing a different. And so basically they were all manipulative. They were all, uh, you know, corrupt. And, 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 and so the Jewish system was basically fearful because they kind of felt, well, we have to work with them or they'll just use their military to kill us all. And so there's a whole lot of tensions going on. But what I'm trying to get you to see is that this king, he becomes aware that the church is now a threat to his, his kingdom. And I believe it's the same spirit in the natural king that works spiritually in, in, in a spiritual sense. So often physical kings are governed by a spiritual realm. And I honestly believe that you've got to understand these things. So the king, he gets hostile towards the church and he orders James, the apostle, to be killed. And he literally executes him with the sword. And so obviously this is not pretty. This is not nice. No one wants that. But the apostles knew that they were going to lay down their lives for something greater. And so what happens is he thinks, oh, this is great. The Jews respond to it with happiness and cheering. He thinks, I'll do it again. I'll get Peter. Peter should get a big crowd. So he gets Peter and he puts him in jail. Now, the reason I'm saying this is because when you start to go for God, you will be intimidated. People will try to intimidate you. People will try to shrink you. For us as a church, we're trying to go forward and then we've had venues taken from us. We've had people literally take the contract from us because they don't believe in what we stand for. So when we're going forward, church, let's not be naive to the spirit of intimidation that tries to shrink you, control you, or shrink you back into doing nothing. I'm telling you, you cannot stop the church. You will not stop the church. No intimidation and no principality or power We'll stop what God is wanting to do with this city and the people of this city in Jesus' name. Amen. And so Herod was trying to intimidate and he locks Peter up in prison. And this is what it says, starting at Acts chapter 12, verse 4. He arrests Peter and he puts him in a jail. And he guards him with 16 soldiers, four in the front, four on the side, four behind and four around him. You could say Peter was a big dude. 16 soldiers to guard him. They must have been scared that he was powerful and he was powerful, but not with might of a man, but power of God, amen. And so 16 soldiers were put around him. Herod planned to bring Peter before the people and basically he wanted to execute him as well. Verse six, one night, Peter bound with two chains was sleeping between the two soldiers. Before soldiers, more soldiers were guarding the door of the jail. Herod was planning to bring Peter out before the people the next day, verse 5, so Peter was kept in jail, but the church was constantly praying for God for him. Because <laughs> the angel didn't come from nowhere. I got to tell you that the church was praying constantly for him. Let's go back to verse 5. So Peter was kept in jail, but the church, but the church was constantly praying to God for him. Maybe Hillsong Berlin is being kept in a jail of venues, but the church is going to keep praying but the church is going to keep praying. <laughs> it 
It's not just about what happened 2,000 years ago. It's about what's happening today in Jesus' name. But you notice the church was constantly praying to God for Him. And let's go to verse 7. And suddenly, don't ever underestimate your prayers. Your prayer, my prayer, collective prayer. Because I believe venues are coming after us, not us chasing venues. Amen. And so suddenly an angel turned up. The room was filled with light. And the angel tapped Peter on the side and woke him up. And the angel said, hurry up, get up. The chains fell off Peter's hands. That should be, uh, the chains fell off. That should be, someone should write a song about the chains falling off. The chains fell off Peter's hands. And the angel said, get dressed and put on the sandals. Peter did as he was told. And the angel said, put on the coat and follow me. So the angel went out and Peter followed He did not know if the angel was really doing this. He thought he might be just seeing a vision or having a dream. Peter and the angel went past the first guard, the second guard, and then they came to the iron gate that separated them from the city and the gate opened for them by itself and the gate opened for them by itself and the gate opened for them by themselves. (laughs) Past the first guard, the chains fell off, past the second guard. Anybody get a rhythm here that's going on? Anybody know that God can get you past the guards? God can get you out of prison? God can get you through iron gates that seem closed? Can you see what God's doing here? The book of Acts is not stopped. We are living in today the book of Acts. This is the Acts of the Holy Spirit. And you in the 21st century, me in the 21st century, we are continuing. Wouldn't it be nice to read the book of Acts in the 21st century and the church in Berlin and the church in Deutschland and the church in Europe went past one gate, went went past another guard and the chains fell off and the city gates opened, iron gates just opened, properties begin to open, doors begin to open, miracles started happening. This wasn't done just for them. This was done for you and me. I can hear the chains coming off. I can hear the chains falling. I can hear the chains falling. I can see the guards falling asleep. The angel took Peter. And they got so far and then the angel left him. And Peter realised that this was not a dream. This was real. Verse 11, Peter realized that when, what had happened, he thought, now I know the Lord has really sent an angel to me. He rescued me from Herod and from everything the Jews thought would happen to me. Verse 12, when Peter realized this, he went to the home of Mary, the mother of John, who was also called Mark. And listen to this, many people were gathered there and were praying. Many people were gathered there and praying. You know, it's funny when you have opposition, it can scatter some people, but I love that we've had a journey of opposition. I love that not everything's gone our way. I love it that people have cancelled contract. I've loved it that we've had these people talk bad about us. Why? Because it's not scattered us. It's united us. It's strengthened us. It's built resolve. It's built resilience. I'm telling you, how do you know God's in it? Because we're still here. We're still praising. We're still singing. We're still praying. We're still believing. You know why? Because the enemy fires his shots. 
But when you've got nothing, the enemy can scatter you. And he can separate you. And he can divide you. And when you're divided, you're not united. And if you're not united, there's no command of blessing. Well, I want to let you know, it's a new day. And there's unity in the house. And there's unity in the air. And God is commanding a blessing. And the jails can't stop us. And the kings can't stop us. And the Herods can't stop us. They can do what they want, but they cannot stop God's command blessing. I can hear the chains falling. Many people were gathered there and they were praying. They were praying. They were praying. They were praying. Maybe on your own, you don't feel powerful. But when you get with a whole bunch of people who want to pray, it catches you. It gets on you. Amen. Amen. I tell you, that's how powerful prayer is. It's contagious. Verse 13, Peter knocked on the door. And a servant girl named Rhonda. Rhonda came and answered the door. She recognized Peter's voice and was so excited that she forgot to open the door and she ran back inside to tell the group, Peter's at the door, Peter's at the door. And there's some of you this year, you're going to recognize Peter's voice. You're going to recognize God's voice. You're going to recognize God speaking through another voice. And it's not going to be the voice of fear. It's not going to be the voice of intimidation. It's going to be the voice of God. And it's going to come through a Peter. It's going to come through a Paul. It's going to come through a Mark. It's going to come through a Rhonda. She was so excited, (laughs) she ran back in to tell them, Peter's here, Peter's here, Peter's here. What you've been praying for is starting to happen. Peter's at the door, Peter's at the door. And the believer said to her, are you crazy? Here they are praying, Lord, set the captives free. Lord, release Peter from the prison. Let the chains fall off. Jesus, do it again. Do it again. Do it again. Heal the sick. Open the eyes of the blind. My cousin's given her life to Jesus. Are you crazy? My mom's following Jesus. Are you crazy? My dad's been healed of cancer. Are you crazy? I got the job. Are you crazy? They renew my visa. Are you crazy? Isn't it crazy that you pray for something and then when it happens, you go, are you crazy? I don't care how broken you are, how complicated you are, how messed up you are, how religious you are. God can, God will. God is in the business of setting free and removing the chains. Are you crazy? (laughs) Yes, we're crazy enough to believe that God can. And she continued to say, Peter's at the door. Peter's at the door. Peter's at the door. I kind of feel like I'm a Rhonda today. And I'm here to say, Peter's at the door. Peter's at the door. The prayers are being answered. The prayers are being answered. The angels have turned up. The miracles are happening. The doors are opening. The iron doors of the city are opening. The guards are silent. The opposition is diminished. The enemy has been reduced. 
<laughs> Peter's at the door. And she continued to tell them. And so they said, oh, it must be Peter's angel. They must have killed him. Herod must have killed him. It must be his angel at the door. <laughs> Don't settle for half things. Don't settle for half miracles. Don't settle for half prayers. God wasn't going to give them an angel of Peter. God was actually putting Peter in front of them. Amen. He'll give you the whole. He won't give you the half. And Peter continued to knock at the door. Can you hear the knocking? Can you hear the knocking last Sunday? Can you hear the knocking this Sunday? Every time we lift our voice, there's a whole lot of knocking going on. There's a whole lot of knocking going on. God's people knocking on heaven. God's people knocking on the name of Jesus. Do it again, Lord. Do it again, Lord. Do it again in Jesus' name. The believers opened the door. <laughs> the believers opened the door. All you got to do is open the door. All you got to do is open the door. You want God to continue? Open the door. Open the door of your heart to believe more. It's not over till God says it's over. Open your door to more, more miracles, more healings, more breakthroughs. All you got to do is open the door. And they opened the door and there is Peter. And this is what it says. They went hysterical. What does a miracle look like for you? What does a miracle look like to you? You could say that they got slightly excited. And Peter made a sign with his hands and he told them, "Be quiet, calm down." And he explained to them how the Lord had led him out of jail. He said, "Tell James and the other brothers what has happened." And I believe we need to keep telling people what the Lord has done. Tell him what he's done for your life. Tell him about his goodness. Tell him about forgiveness. Tell him about acceptance. Tell him about the healing. Your testimony, your story, what God has continued to do is going to help a lot of people believe. You need to understand that prayer was behind all of this. And if we want to see the miracles and we want to pray powerful prayers, you have to start with this position of God can. God can in Jesus name. So I'm asking you church Hillsong Berlin and all that this represents that we're going to look forward and where there's unity God commands a blessing. And I believe when there's unity in the house the prayers are powerful and the miracles begin to happen. And I'm praying and I'm asking you to pray for the doors to open for the change to fall off people's lives. You might have friends and they look so far away from Jesus. All you can see is them in the clubs. All you can see is the tattoos and the piercings. They're the external things, but God looks to the heart. He's not worried about the externals like what we sometimes are. He doesn't care what you wear. I think he does care that you wear something. Or maybe he doesn't, but it's helpful for all of us. All I'm trying to say is is that begin to see your friends the way God sees them. Begin to see your family the way God sees them. Begin to see what God can do, not what God can't do. Amen. I can see the venues filled. I can see the praises going up. I can see people coming from impossible situations. What does the next 10 years look like? The chains falling off.